Check one, two, check one, two, check one, two, check one, two. It is recording. All right, as it should be. My son waited two years, and for those two years, he asked, no begged, for a turtle. It seemed to be all he wanted. For birthdays, Christmas, whatever, he just asked for a turtle. And finally, at 10 years old, this Christmas, he got a turtle. If you look up at the screen, meet Farmer. Yes, she is cute and adorable. My son has wanted this turtle, and it is all that was on his mind at times. He has turtle shirts. He has turtle banners. He has read books on turtles. He has a tumbler that he drinks from that is a turtle. <laughs> this past year, he got his entire class to sign a petition to ask his parents to get him a turtle for Christmas. <laughs> he loves turtles. He finally has a turtle. She's adorable, as you can see. Um, however... He had to wait. He had to wait because we just weren't sure about getting him a turtle. It's a lot of responsibility. And turtles live forever. I mean, this turtle might outlive me. That seemed like a huge burden to put on a young kid, and yet he never stopped. He was waiting for his turtle. This morning we meet Simeon, a man who is waiting, as we will see as soon as we get into the text. And that's, this morning, our topic, waiting. How do we wait? It, it's something that we all do at times. Sometimes it's waiting for news on a relative or a job. Uh, sometimes it is waiting to find out if we can afford something or go somewhere. Uh, but there are always these ideas, we're, we're waiting. And that's what we see in Simeon. And, and so what we want to do this morning is first we want to talk a little about the waiting and think about the times that we are waiting, uh, perhaps now, uh, but also look at what Simeon was doing. How do we wait? What do we do while we're waiting? So here's how it begins. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we are on page 1460 if you're in the Pew Bible. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Uh, an important thing to note here right off the bat is Luke calls him a man. Oftentimes when this is depicted, this scene, Simeon is seen as a priest or something like that, a religious kind of leader. Um, Luke doesn't really give us that indication here. He just calls him a man but a man who is righteous and devout. Uh, righteous refers to doing the right things. Devout is seeking after the things of God. 
Uh, this is a good guy. And it goes on to say he was waiting. There's our topic. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, the consolation of Israel is a huge thing to wait for. Many people were waiting for this. This is what it was all about. This was God coming to comfort his people. It was Yahweh returning to his people. It was redemption. It was freedom. All of these things where God is coming back to his people. And they've been waiting for at least 400 years since the prophet Malachi for this to take place. So here's Simeon waiting. And what we know about the waiting is it's not something Simeon can control. How often is that the case in our waiting? Simeon can't make this happen. And this is a big thing. I mean, this is, today we might say we're waiting for Christ to return. For full redemption, for the full kingdom. We can't make that happen. What else are you waiting on that you can't make happen? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel and, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He's also waiting on a promise. He has learned through the Holy Spirit that he will see Messiah. He's waiting for that to happen too. And again, can't force it. Waiting is a difficult thing to do. (laughs) What does Simeon do while he's waiting? While he can't force something to take place, he just has to be in that moment. What does he do? And what we see in this text and what we see in his life, he practices obedience. He cannot control what is to come. He has to wait. But while waiting, he can control that he practices obedience. Look again with me at this text. It calls him righteous and devout. He lived doing the right things, seeking after the things of God. Obedience. When the Holy Spirit moves on him, look at verse 27, moved by the Spirit... He went into the temple courts. When God directs him, when the Holy Spirit is moving him to do something, he does not resist. He does not pretend like it wasn't happening. He's very receptive to what God is saying to him, and then he obeys. He goes into the temple courts. You see, Simeon is practicing obedience. We can all do that. Whatever it is you might be waiting for, even if that waiting is something as big as the return of Jesus, between now and then, we can practice obedience, as Simeon does. Now, what is obedience? Obedience is more than good intentions. Um, I know it's very easy to think about doing the right thing. It's even easy to talk about doing the right thing, especially in Christian circles. We can hear sermons, we can do Bible studies, we can sit around and we can talk about the right thing to do. We need to forgive. We need to control our anger. We need to give to the poor, all of this stuff. And yet, it's sometimes harder to do it. Obedience is following through with the right thing. It's what we see in Simeon. It is the righteous and devout. It is the moved by God, and we do it. Here's here's an interesting example, a fun example of what obedience would look like 
but also that give and take when we're struggling with actually following through. November 28th, 2016, in Richland, um, Washington, the police department posted a photo of a man named Adam Akers on their Facebook page as their wanted Wednesday criminal of the week. Apparently, this is something they did. Um, And surprisingly, Akers actually responded from his own Facebook page, and he said, calm down, I'm going to turn myself in. The comment got thousands of likes because, well, seriously, (laughs) who does that? Who responds in that way? And yet, despite his promise, Akers did not turn himself in. So the police then replied again on Facebook, hey, Anthony, we haven't seen you yet. That's what they wrote. They added a number where he could reach them in case he wanted to be picked up for their date. Akers then responded, thank you. Tying up a couple of loose ends, he wrote, since I will probably be there for a month, should we see you in the next 48 hours. Well, 48 hours later, this is what the police wrote. Dear Anthony, is it us? Last Wednesday, we reached out to you, wanted, and you replied, and even said you were going to turn yourself in. We waited, but you didn't show. After you stood us up, we reached out, again, this time offering you a ride. You replied and said, you needed 48 hours. The weekend came and went. We are beginning to think you are not coming. Please call us anytime and we will come to you. Well, Akers responded like this on his Facebook page. Dear RPD, it's not you, it's me. I obviously have commitment issues. I apologize for standing you up, but let me make it up to you. I will be there no later than lunchtime tomorrow. I know you have no reason to believe me after what I did to you, but I promise that if I don't make it on my own by lunchtime, I will call for a ride to assist with my commitment issues. Thank you in advance to your response if you are patiently giving me another chance. I know I don't deserve it. P.S. You're beautiful. Now, amazingly enough, he turned himself in. And that is what obedience does. It's the follow-through. It's the action. That back and forth he had, the way in which all of us at times justify, we make excuses, we decide not to actually obey and follow God, that's not obedience no matter our intentions. Obedience is the practice of following through with our actions to do as God wants us to do. It is the righteous and devout of Simeon. It is the moved by the spirit and going of Simeon. The practice of obedience. Now, why does that mean so much? Why is it so important? One, it is a way for us to live while we're in the moment of waiting. We can focus on that. It can be very intentional. It can be where we put our attention. It's something that we actually have a certain amount of control over the waiting we don't. But also because we see some things in this text we should all consider about obedience. Number one, obedience puts us in the right spot to receive what God wants to give. All right, consider this. Simeon is in the right place for this to happen. Back in the text, verse 27, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, 
What the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. What if instead the text said, moved by the Spirit, Simeon did not obey and he just stayed home? He would not be in the right place to receive what God was wanting to do in his life. Obedience moves us in the right place to be where God wants us to be. We could say the same thing about Mary and Joseph. Look back in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So their whole act up to this point is also obedience. They are following the law. They are doing what is in the law of God right now by bringing Jesus and presenting him and having him consecrated as well as doing purification rites for Mary because of the birth. Fascinating, there's a Lucan scholar who points out that it looks like both of them are doing the purification, which would be abnormal. Normally it would be the, the woman who gave the birth and yet... He points this out. Who was present at the birth of Jesus? Mary and Joseph. That's it. And so there's a likelihood that Joseph helped with the birth, and so he also would mean purification, more obedience. And then it's reiterated down here where it says in verse 27, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Again, obedience. And it puts them in the right place at the right time so that these two meet. Obedience is a way in which we move and we get to the place where God wants us to be to do what God wants to do. It reminds me of, I was in Target the other day, and as I'm checking out, coming behind me to check out is my youngest son's teacher. And when I saw her, we said hi, and I thought to myself, how odd is this? What is the chance? Like, at this moment, on this day, in this line, at this target, (laughs) that she would end up right behind me. It's crazy to me that that would happen. And yet, we've all had that experience, right? Like, you've bumped into somebody at a store and you've thought, wow, like, what are the chances? Um, Well, when we are living in obedience, when we are practicing obedience... We put ourselves in the right place for those moments, for God to work. All right, number two, it also lets us see what God wants us to see. It opens our eyes. All right, consider this question. How is it that Simeon even knew this was the right child? He had never seen him before. Jesus was not wearing a Messiah onesie. Like, hey, here I am. I'm here to save Israel. And yet, in the text, he walks right up and takes him in his arms. He sees this is the one. Why? He's living in obedience. You could say the same thing about Mary and Joseph. Why would they even hand their child off? Remember, this is just a man. It's an old man in the temple courts, and they just hand their baby to him. Like, they're in a strange place. They, they had this crazy birth where it's just the two of them. He's real. Jesus is so young at this point. And there's no indication that Mary was like, hey, let me see some ID. 
You know, hey, do you wash your hands before you touch my baby? They seem to know too. Simeon even says it like this. Listen to his words. He praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He's not even just seeing a little baby. He is seeing salvation that this baby is going to bring, that Messiah is going to bring. Because obedience opens our eyes. Think about how Jesus says it in John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 32 says something that everybody knows. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And yet verse 31, which is the first half of the sentence, Jesus says this. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and then you will be my disciples and the truth will set you free. Excuse me, if you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we have to recognize, he says, if you abide in my word. And that doesn't mean just reading it. It means doing it, living it. If my word is, is directing you, if you are living out of my word, obedience, then you are my disciples, then You'll know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. Because it's obedience that lets us see something we don't see without it. In in another passage in in Luke, verse 21 of chapter 14, it says this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Do you know that is the only way in which Jesus describes how we love him? Obedience, keeping the commands. Obedience puts us in the right spots. Obedience opens our eyes. And obedience is our expression of love for Jesus. But look what else he says. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It is in following the commands, being obedient, Jesus opens our eyes. We see him. It's it's so important for us to understand. It's living out the Christian life that lets us see what God wants us to see. It's like these glasses I'm wearing. If I take these glasses off and I look at the words of Scripture, they are blurry. I have to hold it so far away from me to make out these words. I mean, I can kind of make out parts of it. I can kind of, you know, a little bit like, like that word's I. I'm pretty sure because it's a single one. Um, but like, but then I put the glasses on. And when the glasses go on, it's like, oh, oh that was terrible. Uh, angels are singing um, because it's, it's so much clearer. And obedience is like putting on God glasses. It lets us see. So, what do we know about obedience? Um, It is a way in which we can wait. But as we're doing it, as we're we're, we're intentionally focusing on being obedient and living that out, it also puts us in the right spot to receive what God wants us to receive. And it opens our eyes to see what God wants us to see. Now, it doesn't have to be perfect. Our obedience does not have to be perfect. You need to hear that. But 
when we fail, when we sin, when we rebel, we can't err on either side. Either one, we get lost in our guilt. We spiral. We just feel so awful and terrible that we decide God can't do anything with me and we give up. Or on the other side, we just miss it and be like, eh, it's no big deal. Instead, we need to take a biblical root of repentance. You see, here's the picture in Scripture. When you fail, when I fail, we come to the throne of grace, as it's called in Hebrews, the throne of grace where the God of love awaits us and we confess what we have done and we find their forgiveness and a new start, a second chance. We go on. We have to deal with our sin by confessing it and finding the forgiveness of God and, and, and we get a new start. So tomorrow is January 1. It's the new year. And it's when we make resolutions. It's when we feel that like new beginning. And, and I mean, I felt it. I was just talking to my wife about it. There's this strange sense of like, okay, I get another shot. Every time we come before the throne of grace to the God of love and we bring our failings, our sins, our rebellions, we can find that new start. And then we get right back on the track of obedience. So I'm going to show you a picture. Um, if you'll look up at the screen again, yes, that is the turtle. But notice the difference. In that first picture, all you saw was the turtle. And I can tell by your faces right now, you did not realize how small this turtle was. Because I gave you a different perspective in this next picture. Now that turtle is just sitting in my son's hand. And it doesn't even take up the palm of his hand. It's like the size of a quarter almost. You couldn't see that in the first picture. Most of you, if not all of you, when you saw the first one, you thought that turtle was bigger. Now that it, the camera zooms back and you see the turtle in his hand, you know that it's much smaller than that. In order to get that perspective, I had to pull the camera back for you to see the reality. That is what obedience can do for us in our walk with the Lord. It pulls the camera back. It helps us see more than we would see otherwise. It helps us see the truth that can set us free. It helps put us in the temple courts when we need to be there. It helps us see the things God is doing. But there's a second thing, and I'll end with this. My son really wanted me to, to get this into my sermon somehow, and it kind of makes sense. So that turtle only relieves itself. It only poops in two areas, really. Either in its water, which is apparently what box turtles do, um, or in my son's hand. It seems like every time he picks that turtle up, she poops in his hand. Um, and yet, knowing that, he continues to pick the turtle up. No matter how many times it happens, he continues to pick the turtle up. Because my son loves that turtle. And no amount of defecation in his hand is going to keep him from that turtle. God is the same way. No matter how much we fail, sin, rebel, he wants us to come back to him, to repent, to turn from that and turn to him, to come to the throne of grace and the God of love and give him our sins that we can find forgiveness and a new start and get right back on the track of obedience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. 
and the way in which your word guides us. Help us to practice obedience while we wait and, and at all times that we might be where you want us to be, see what you want us to see, have our eyes opened. And when we mess up, we come to the throne of grace, to the God of love, to find forgiveness and a new start, and we get right back on the track of obedience. Guide us in this way, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.